When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today on Barca Talk, Luis Suarez put away two goals to bring FC Barcelona back from the brink against Inter Milan in the UEFA Champions League last Wednesday. We'll break down the stats and the key points of the match. Barcelona B are getting some wins in the Segunda B division, and Barca shot up to second place in La Liga after a four-goal win in the Camp Nou. Hey everybody, this is Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson, coming to you from Buffalo, New York, and joining me, not as usual, is special guest commentator in Madrid, Max Bluer. Hi Max, how are you doing? Hi Brian, I'm good. It's great to be talking to you live. I know, we so rarely talk live you normally just send us in your uh, your barca b segments you record them on your own and then i i stitch them in we haven't i feel like we haven't spoken in a while no it's i get kind of lonely just recording my little segments and sending them into you so it's great to be uh great to be doing it in person yeah and i see you're in your your recording cavern and <laughs> at least you have me on the other end to to interact with this absolutely week. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. So, man, we, we just finished watching the Sevilla match. And for anyone uh, listening, the reason Max is here is because Gabriel is off in London right now. He just the scheduling, you know, with a what a nine o'clock match Sunday night. Uh, he just couldn't record with me for this particular segment. You will hear Gabriel's voice later on in the show, but um, you'll also hear Max more later in the show as well. So we just finished watching the Sevilla match. We're going to break that down uh, towards the end of the episode. But Man, it was up and down, right? I mean, I don't want to get into too much detail, but what's your immediate feeling about it? Well, I feel like like if you look at the score, 4-0, job done, it looks normal, it looks fine. But man, Sevilla really pushed Barca today. I think the the 4-0 flatters Barca, definitely. I think the first, before the goals arrived, the first 25 minutes, Sevilla were on top, totally. Lopetegui was, was, was giving a bath, as they say in Spanish, to Valverde. He was just out tacticking him completely his plan is working much better and yeah it seems like Sevilla is a good place for Lopetegui yeah it's certainly working better for him there than it did in his last two jobs Max will be back a couple of times in the show to catch you up on Barca B and fill in for Gabriel in breaking down the Sevilla match next up we have a trimmed down version of our discussion about the Champions League match against Inter Milan last Wednesday this originally aired on our patron only episode that came out last Friday so, yeah, this was, of course, uh, Group F of the Champions League match day two at the Camp Nou. Inter were visiting, and the final result was 2-1 to one Barcelona with uh, two goals from Suarez. And, uh, of course, Inter got that th- third-minute goal from uh, Martinez. So, the, as far as how this affects things, we're currently tied with Borussia Dortmund in the group with four points each. 
So it was pretty, you know, we had a strong lineup with uh, Messi playing his first full 90 of the season. Uh, there was one exception, of course, in the strength of the lineup in terms of the defense, right? Semedo was playing left back again. Um, once, as we mentioned earlier, it was out of absolute necessity because Alba and, and Firpo are both injured at the moment. And the key stats on the match, possession, 65 for Barca, 35 for Inter. Shots, 17 for Barca with 7 on target, 11 for Inter with only 3 on target. And pass accuracy, actually good on both sides, about 90 for Barca and 84 for Inter. And if you were to just look at the scoreline and the stats, you might think that this was actually a pretty decisive win for Barca. But not only did Inter score first and early, right, with Lautaro Martinez getting that third-minute goal for Inter, uh, but they were pressing the juice right out of Barca all through the first half and in spells in the second. And Inter did hit the back of the net a couple more times in addition to that first goal. But, uh, you know, there's this offside rule that kept kept them at bay, maybe even more than our defense. For sure. I mean, Brian, I mean, I posed this question on Twitter. I mean, I just said, when was the last time Barca came up with the creative, decisive, tactical decision that the other team weren't expecting? When Luis Enrique and, was managing. Yeah, if that, maybe one time, you know. <laughs> And I said after Pep, you know, because I don't want to count Pep, but it's been a long time. And we talked about this in the scouting report last week. We knew right off the bat, especially with their powerful midfield of five in the front, that they were going to press and we had to figure something out. And we looked like we had never seen them on video and we didn't know what to expect. Again, with Furpo being injured, again, I'm surprised that Evie didn't go 4-4-2 to protect Semedo and to be more conservative and just not allow a goal in two minutes yeah (laughs) you know that's the thing you know like that's the worst case scenario you know and again what's wrong with just being really really conservative at the beginning get your feet under you to see what's going on make the tactical analysis and go and that's exactly what we didn't do we start off in the 4-3-3 with a right back who is playing left back and we just look slow we the game is at nine o'clock at night brian and it seemed to me that the game was at four o'clock kickoff time Saturday, you know, <laughs> yeah. like the, the vaunted four o'clock. We came out slow and it's like all of a sudden they're just ready to, to attack. And again, if you look at the two coaches, we talked about this before. Conte is a tactical mad dog. You know, he loves this, you know, and he was up for it. And something and of a literal mad dog, mad dog. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, he's going to have that energy. And again, I don't know what or what he's not doing before the game, but the energy completely transfers from EV for all these important matches. When was the last important match that we've had in the last seven months where we came off fired, precision, like ready to go? I can't remember. You know, it just seems like every match we just in a lull. And this is another one example of that. Yeah. Malaise. Yes. We're in we're yes. in a Jimmy Carter malaise situation <laughs> right now. Cause like, yeah, the the like the best the best play that I can think of in in recent memory. I mean, of course, there have been flashes, but I mean, like whole games where I'm like, yeah, that was that was solid. Yeah. That was good. Early, early group stages of Champions League last year. Yeah. The 5-1 exactly. Classico, Classico win last yeah. year. Yeah, for sure. And those are the only ones that come to mind right now for me. For sure. And that's that's the problem, right? I mean, just think about our last form just in the last three games, four games, the malaise that we start off with. And we just cannot allow these, you know, the other teams are professionals, man. 
that was a really good goal scored by the first, you know, the first minute. I mean, that's a really difficult angle. Again, PK taking a chance when he doesn't have to, leaving Longley out to dry. Longley did good enough to cover, but it was just such a good shot. Now, to me, again, I, d- I just don't understand why he doesn't go more conservative to protect and just be defensively sound and not give up that away goal right away. Yeah, it's uh, it's a mystery. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there are certain mysteries really, that will just never be solved. Yeah, I mean, just going back to this press, you know, it's it's really just simple. It's It's just like in basketball and in football. Like, if they have five people, then you got to bring five people. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not rocket science. You know, if they have four and they're pressing your fullbacks, then bring a fifth guy. Like, you got to create the triangles and the extra man. I'm just imagining the chalkboard and, with the X's for the yeah. other team. Like, okay, so this is how they normally line up. Yeah. Hmm. And the other thing, too, is, you know, the back line, especially since they were playing three in the back at the beginning, they're not going to cross midfield that much. Right. Because that is too much of a gap. So what you do is you just bring your forwards into the play as outlets and inlets for the midfielders. Then all of a sudden you can just break through and dance and come around. But every time, you know, the fullback was pressed, we pass it back, we do a long ball up, we lose it, Inter had the ball. It's just the same thing. Yep. And if we want to play out of the back, I mean, if you want to play out of the back, you just have to bring more numbers. And as we talked about, Luis Enrique was able to bring, remember, Neymar and Messi up at the beginning to break that uh, press the first time when he was the coach we have to think of a counter to it now we have to be more inventive and we're just not no no so Arturo Vidal he came on for Busquets in the 53rd minute that was the first Barcelona sub and Valverde only used two of his three substitutions in this match by the way five minutes later Vidal provided the assist for Suarez to volley in the equalizer a reminder of just how deadly Suarez is on the volley yeah I mean you know my opinion about Vidal, right? I mean, it's not, it's a no, I mean, I just, he's a good player. He's just not a Barca player. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I mean, that's the thing. Now, I will give him credit. Obviously, he played really well when he came in. He took his chance. But I also think it was twofold. It was the coaching decision, finally, of Valverde making an adjustment to put him behind the three. But also, Vidal only playing a limited amount of time, right? He played for that second half. So, again, I don't think this is sustainable. Because I just think he's older and I don't think this is going to happen for the rest of the season where he's going to have these great outcomes. Okay. But again, I, I tweeted to you after, or I WhatsApp you after the game and I said, Yeah, I'm watching the, the football show and the journalist from Barca, his name is Quim Dominac. He's, he's really good. Uh, he put, he just said, You know, the idea that we had to rely on Vidal for the victory is the problem with Barca right now. Yeah. So that's the idea, you know. People on Twitter were criticizing me about not giving Vidal credit because they changed the match. But again, I'm talking about the whole idea of how we're playing, the coaching tactics going forward, and how we continue to play with this malaise. I mean, yes, we got the victory, and that is really important. But do I have confidence going forward in the Champions League of all the other teams I've seen? I mean, if we play Ajax, what I saw against what they did at Valencia, they could kill us 6-0. Yeah. You know, so again, it's just... I know it's a it's a long season, and I know we got this victory, but I just don't think having Vidal play there 90 minutes is sustainable for the rest of the season. No. However, maybe someone like, I don't know, Messi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, we've got Dembele back. We've got Griezmann. I mean, we I, have I, Carlos Perez. We, and, yeah, and of course, there's Suarez. But. Of course. I would love, love, love to see Messi in that position. Yeah. Because he can go left, he can go right, he can shoot. 
he's going to be the playmaker. I mean, imagine him instead of Vidal making those passes. Right. It'd be so much oh better. Oh my gosh. That's oh my gosh. Right. Those, those are and the things three forwards in front of him. I mean, that's killer. exactly. And three. Exactly. You have all that space. But again, it's not going to happen. No, no, no <laughs> it's, it's not. not going to happen. Yeah. But dreaming is yeah. free. Dreaming is As free. As you have told me many times. Dreaming yes, is free. I have. Yeah. Uh, now, speaking of Dembele, he came on for Griezmann in the 66th minute. And uh, I felt like that was fair. Um, I would have preferred if Suarez had come off, but Griezmann has been putting in a lot of minutes this season. Suarez, you know, he had that injury, so he was out. He's actually played fewer minutes than Griezmann, but he's also considerably older than Griezmann. And he scored two goals, so eh. But yeah. anyway, how did you know? How did Dembele change things, if at all, or just in general? How, how did he look to you? you? You know, I love him. I love the speed that he presents. Now, again, it still baffles me. I mean, I, I don't know if it's the rustiness, but his passing is still not good. You know, he lost the ball a bunch of times when it didn't need to, you know. But watching what I saw him on the left side, I just prefer him on the right side. I think he can open it up more on the right side. I think he's more dangerous. And especially if we have, let's say, Griezmann on the left, that's just going to create a lot of space. But, you know, again, uh, I just didn't like the sub of Griezmann because I think Griezmann gives us so much more than Suarez does. And I know Suarez scored these two great goals. I'm not countering that, but I just would, I think he could still do that in the last 20 minutes of the match. Right, right. Yeah, and I do notice that Dembele, he's more likely to take a defender to the line when he's on the right, as well as cut in, whereas when he's on the left, he almost always cuts in right around the top of the box, Correct. you know, kind of Neymar style, Coutinho style. He does. He generally won't take anyone to the line when he's out on the left. So that's, and once you realize that if you're the defender, it just makes it that much easier. That said, though, he had some really good cut-ins from the left into the, towards the box. For sure. I mean, he had shots off, right? That, like, I think his first shot was pretty close to goal. But again, like you said, when he's on the right side, it's just more unpredictable. And on the on the left side, it's just more predictable going on the inside. So again, I would rather see him on the right side. I just think he's just more naturally better there, right? Like he can just open it up and he can beat anyone with with the ball to that sideline. So I mean, I would, again, so far, I mean, it's we're in Madrid right now, eight thirty p.m. There's been no news of any further injury, right. so that's a good sign. So, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> because again, that's yeah. I mean, that's really the only thing. And again, I don't know what's going on with this medical staff, but with all the muscle injuries that we're having, it's very alarming. And that's I don't know if they even need to make a change or they just need to run run more sprints at the end of practice, like I used to do in football. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned how Dembélé still was is giving the ball away a lot. Um, I want to I just want to detail what for me was the most exciting 60 seconds of the match. It was between when between when the clock read 83 and 84. Barca gave up the ball when Dembélé made a pass that was intercepted at the top of Inter's box. It was a good step from the uh the Inter player but still also kind of like maybe not the best pass for Dembélé to try. Inter countered, shot once, which was deflected by Longley. They got it back shot again, or it might have been an attempt at a cross, uh, but Ter Stegen grabbed it out of the air. Then Ter Stegen rolls it out for Vidal. Vidal to Messi. Messi fakes left and goes right, leaving Quadro Azamoa going the wrong way. Then he brings Marcelo Barozovic right and goes past him on the left, cutting inside, squares it for Suarez, who touches it into space ahead of him and puts it in the net. 
2-1 Barca. So that was two goals for Suarez. And I I put this uh, question on the document, and I want to be clear, this is not my question, really. This is, <laughs> do you think that in Valverde's mind, this is the case for playing Suarez as much as humanly possible? Big hell yes. <laughs> A big hell yes. I mean, again, I, yes. So I'm really conflicted about this because, yes, he scored two golazos, right? Two amazing goals. Like the first one, the volley, which is awesome. That's just a pure Suarez goal. And the second one, I, I think, was much better just because the whole buildup of play was really nice, but also the first touch, right? But how many times do we see that first touch that he tried to do there go flying off, right? Yeah. And I know it worked in that one moment, and it was a great goal. Don't get me wrong. But my whole thing is I just want to see Griezmann up there instead of Suarez playing 70 minutes a game and then just bring Suarez. You get the best of both worlds because – for the two goals, if you take those two goals, what was his performance last night? Right, if you take was those really two goals away. Yeah, you take those two goals away. I mean, I'm just talking an overall team play. He really didn't add much, right? Like, he, he continues to lose the ball. He doesn't run as much, right? And I have here in my, in my notes here, I mean, yes, he scored the finishing goal, right? But, again, Griezmann is a better passer. He's better on defense. He's better at running right now because he's just younger. He's also not going to – he's better at posting because he goes to the ball. Like how many times did Suarez lose the ball because he didn't anticipate and go for it? That's one of my main problems with him. And I just think to get the best out of both players, especially not to wallow Griezmann on the left wing, which again he's doing again like he did with Coutinho. And everyone is saying, oh, where are the goals? Griezmann is playing this. That's not his position. Right. I think we can get ultimate, ultimate output – for our forwards, if we have Griezmann play 70 minutes and Suarez play 20. Because not only do you preserve uh, Suarez for the rest of the season, but you're getting the great things that Griezmann does with his work rate and the defense. Then you can really press and not tax Suarez because Suarez does not back press, man. He just jogs and walks and call for fouls. It drives me crazy, you know? And so, unfortunately, it's kind of one of those things where, yes, he scores. So that gives Valverde evidence now that he's going to play more and continue to play more but as we've seen the last two seasons suarez tends to peak in november you know yeah. if we look at the last two classicos he's played really well but then he just kind of tapers off at the rest of the season and so that's what i'm worried about i want to get the maximum Luis suarez because he is such a talented player the best number nine that's been in the last 10 years and just put him in the next phase where we can use him for 20 minutes and still get goals and he's still fresh. Yeah. And then you've got him for more of the season. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe I mean, even to the end. Just think, maybe even to the Champions exactly. League final. Exactly. And maybe he scores a road game. Yeah. You know, these are the things. And that's the thing is like to have Suarez come off the bench fresh. I mean, how many defenders are going to be scared? Right. Many. I would be. <laughs> that's the thing. Exactly. For the last 15, 20 minutes in a match after Griezmann has just put in the work rate. Like that is the worst thing when you're a defender. You you have a, a a person in front of you that's working as hard as they are as Griezmann does, and all of a sudden they bring a Suarez. You're just like, oh man, <laughs> what? <laughs> There's like no drop in quality, you know, no drop in quality. Right. And so and so that's where I think could really benefit Barca, you know. And then all of a sudden, if you have Messi on the right hand side and Ansu Fati on the left, then all of a sudden. There's a lot of things going on, then the link-up play is going to be better just because Griezmann does more things that Suarez used to do. Right. He just doesn't do it anymore. Right. That's it. Yeah. Now, um, after the game...
To listen to the extended segment and hear it sooner after the game, become a patron of the show for five bucks a month at Patreon. You can download the Patreon app, find us on there, and start supporting the show to get a better listening experience. And I'm going to extend this little business break another minute because we got this review last week on Apple Podcasts in the U.S. from Teacherakis, and we want to say thanks to them for the review. It was a five-star review, so thank you very much. And here's what they said. Winning podcast. These two are very knowledgeable. They keep it fresh each week, and I always learn something new when I listen. They have a great balance of critique and respect for Valverde and Barca players. Thank you, Teacherakis, for the review. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating or a review as well. Barca B took their first win out of their new home in the Estadio Johan Cruyff against Levante after winning on the road over Villarreal B. Max Bluer is now back in his regular segment on Barca B. Two wins for Barca B since we last spoke leave them sixth in the table. Just two points behind leaders FC Andorra, who are owned by someone you've probably heard of, Gerard Piquet. I'm certainly looking forward to their visit to the Estadio Johan Cruyff later this season. The 1-0 victory away at Villarreal B two weeks ago was a bit of a surprise as it came against the only team in the division that had a 100% record at the time and it was Barca B's first win since the opening day of the season. The yellow submarine dominated the first half and Garcia Pimienta was indebted to his goalkeeper, Iñaki Peña, for keeping the score level at 0-0 at halftime. Surprisingly, Ricky Puj didn't start the game and wasn't introduced until the hour mark. Perhaps Pimi thought that away at the division's leader, he would need the more defensive stylings of Francis Hernandez to keep things tight before unleashing Ricky against a tired defence in the closing stages. If that was the plan, then it worked perfectly. Ricky came on in the 62nd minute for Sarsenadas and in the 77th won a free kick that Monchu called home to give Barca Bay a hard-fought 1-0 win. And the boys managed another clean sheet the following weekend against Atletico Levante. But although they kept the opposition at bay, neither did they create much in what was a frankly boring opening hour. Ricky wasn't his usual self, barely having any influence, and it took until the 69th minute for Abel Ruiz to open the scoring after an excellent cross from right back Danny Moret. That goal will do Abel's confidence a world of good. But the highlight of the game, nay <laughs> of the season so far, was the absolute stone-cold, out-of-this-world, Messi-esque golazo scored by Alex Collado. The young winger, who started the game on the bench due to a slight muscle problem, picked up the ball on the right, level with the edge of the box, stood up his marker before nutmegging him, performed a couple of football Salah-style dragovers, nutmegged the same defender again with a little toe poke that also took it past another opponent, before back-heeling it past the keeper and in. My description can't do it justice though. If you haven't seen it yet, drop what you're doing, after this podcast, and go find it online. Amazingly, that wasn't even the only golazo Collado has scored this season, although it was certainly the best. Alex made his debut for the first team last season, and should Barca's injury crisis continue, we might see him get more minutes this campaign. Good news too for Carles Perez, who last week signed a contract extension with the first team until 2022, with a €100 million release clause. To top off a great week for the young winger, he was also called up to the Spain under-21 squad, along with his former Barca B teammate, Jorge Cuenca. For Barca Talk, this is Mac Bluer. Next up is our review of the La Liga match against Sevilla, but we have to take a moment to give the guard of honour to our new patrons. We want to thank these folks for throwing a few bucks our way each month. This week, we want to thank Diego Herrera and Leroy Johnson. Thanks for your support. We have you to thank for the continuing progress of this show, like being able to pay Max a small stipend for his contributions to the show. We don't even pay ourselves from this yet, but with your support, we just might be able to do that one day. So thank you. All right, we're going to bring Max back in and get into breaking down the Sevilla match. This was La Liga, match day eight on Sunday night at the Camp Nou. And the result was, as we mentioned at the top of the show, flattering to Barcelona, 4-0 win. 
uh, with goals from Suarez, Vidal, Dembele, and Messi. Meanwhile, Valladolid drew Atletico, leaving Atleti with only 15 points, thus shooting Barca to second with uh, 16 now. So that's good. I want to talk a little bit about the lineup. So after Vidal proved himself to be a super sub last week against Inter, naturally, Valverde put him in the starting 11. Do you think that was uh, the better choice? Or, I mean, do you think that it was more a matter of saving Busquets or that he saw something he liked from Vidal midweek and he wanted to roll the dice on that again? I I mean, I think Vidal just earned his place in the 11. And we were kind of... um, Barca have so many central midfielders. So it's Vidal earned his place. I think we want to have a little bit of meritocracy as much as we can. And it also gave an opportunity for De Jong to start in what I think is really his natural or what's going to be his main position going forward at the base of the midfield three where Busquets would be. Uh, Yeah, that seems to be why we got him in the first place, right? Exactly. We're kind of easing out Busquets very, very slowly and gently and easing in De Jong for the next kind of 10 years. Yeah, and I do think that De Jong looked stronger in this game playing in that position that he's so accustomed to than he had earlier in the season playing in other parts of the midfield. Definitely. You don't, you don't really want him getting that far forward. You want him kind of at the back, picking up the ball from the centre-backs, maybe breaking the first line of pressure from the opposition and letting guys like Artur and Vidal or Rakitic, whoever, doing their stuff a bit further forward. Now, uh, what some people were talking about in the pregame here in the US coverage, at least, was the fact that Griezmann started on the bench. And my take on that, though, it's I feel like they were kind of trying to turn it into some kind of a drama. And then, of course, there was this, I wouldn't call it news, but there was this thing that was being spoken of uh, during the week about, do Griezmann and Messi get along? Are they friends? Are they are they okay? And all of that. <sighs> but I, I really feel like Griezmann, you know, he's played the most minutes out of all the forwards because of all of the injury problems that, have, that the team's been presented with so far. So it makes, and you know that he's going to play for France during the break. So kind of makes sense that you want to give him at least a little bit of a rest. Absolutely. I think with Griezmann, we're always almost seeing the same thing as we are with the Jong and Busquets, that Griezmann eventually will be Luis Suarez's replacement. I mean, people were talking about Suarez being finished. He's clearly not. He keeps banging <laughs> in goals. But eventually, I think Griezmann's position will be a center forward kind of going forward. Um, and in, t- in terms of what you're saying about him and Messi, that's such kind of, oh, like... <laughs> What, what he actually said, so what sparked this, what he said was, me and Messi aren't big talkers, so we haven't really gotten to know each other that well yet. Well, I mean, what what's wrong with that? That's absolutely but, fine. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. We know Messi is an introvert. It turns out Griezmann is also an introvert. And so the best way that they can communicate is maybe not by speaking, but by playing football together. And the more that happens, the closer they'll get. Absolutely. And I think that... It, for one thing, it doesn't even matter if they're best friends. They don't have to be best friends off the pitch as long as they're as long as they're showing chemistry on the pitch, which I think they will soon enough. Then there's really I think we're making a mountain out of a molehill here. Right. Well, I think it was a little bit of a slow news week, but but also any headline that has Messi in it, period, gets more very traffic. true. Very true. <laughs> I mean, I've experienced that myself. I'm constantly having to fight the urge to just put messy all over the titles and the show notes of this podcast in the hopes that it will yield more hits gotta you know, fight, and more fight that urge. gotta fight the dark side brian yeah yeah we want to be you know honest and Absolutely. have integrity or exactly. whatever that's what it's about it's about integrity yeah 
But yeah, I I mean, I, yeah. But anyway, concerning Griezmann sitting this game out and just being on the bench, it again, it just seems to me like an, a perfectly logical decision. No. Which which Valverde's are not always logical seeming to me. This one was. I think Valverde's selection all around this game was excellent. I think it all made perfect sense. Leaving Griezmann on the bench is fine. Leaving leaving Busquets on the bench is fine. Um, and yeah, I think you're right that sometimes he does make some funky decisions. But what he's done here, perfectly valid, I think. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Semedo still filling in at left back. Even though Jordi Alba uh, was deemed fit, uh, he rode the bench the whole match. But again, he's just returning from injury. So another sensible decision there. And Todibo almost got his first 90-minute appearance uh, because of Longley's suspension. And it, it did look like he had a couple of nervy moments, but he worked into the game more, especially once Barca were up a goal or two. But then he took this hit um, that he eventually got up and walked away from, but he was in the meantime replaced by Barca B player Ronald Araujo. Yeah, so I th- it was strange, the incident, when he went off to Todibo. I didn't really... Did you see what actually happened to him? Because he just kind of flopped to the floor in a heap. I thought maybe it was cramp, but then he was kind of holding his stomach. It looked to me like he just got the wind knocked out of him. Because yeah. whenever whenever they're not rolling around and they're just laying there on their back, it's usually either very bad or they just got the wind knocked out of them. And then, you know, a minute later or not even, he was up on his feet and he walked out. But Araujo was already on the pitch. Yeah, no, I think Araujo, they were just dying to get him on, it seemed. And I guess great. so, yeah. Fantastic. All the, more Barca Bs players, the better. Get them all in there. Yeah. But uh, as far as Todibo's performance when he was playing, I like I said, I felt like he started off a little bit nervy, but he worked his way in, eventually, you know, put a good mark on, on his position. Yeah, I think that's totally right. I mean, you're right. He's, and who wouldn't be nervy making their debut, age 20 at the Camp Nou? Uh, especially, and he waited a long time to make his first appearance because he's been at the club for ages. So it's gonna be, it's a big, it's a big moment for him. And he was a bit nervy. He gave away a few passes, uh, but not, I mean, nothing terrible. That he did. Right. So I mean, Dembele I, gave away far many more, <laughs> as is his want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but just to break down some some key stats of this match, the possession was. Almost even, uh, Barca had 55 plus, almost 56% to Sevilla's 44. Um, but the shooting was um, quite disparate in terms of on-target shooting. Barca had 15 shots with eight on target. Meanwhile, Sevilla took 16, but only four were on target. And they both had, you know, mid to high 90% pass accuracy. Well, I think I think the most interesting one that you picked out there is the shooting. Um, right, Se- Sevilla and uh, Nil Nil Sevilla had some good opportunities, and I think in, in the Battle of the Diongs we got the good Diong. Frankie was the yes, good Diong. Sure. Luke was the very bad Diong. He was a terrible <laughs> Diong. I I felt really bad for him at the end when he in so in the I think Luke Diong. You mean Luke Diong? Yeah, sorry. So in the twelfth minute, he he had a good shot. To be fair to me, a good shot saved, very well saved by Tishtegen. Uh But then a few minutes later, he. He missed not quite an open goal, but it was a very, very good opportunity from a corner with a left-footed kind of volley that went wide. And then an absolutely terrible header, a brilliant cross from Jesus Navas, terrible header from him. He should have been 1-0. It should have been 2-0, really. He should have put away at least two of those chances. And Barca would have been, I mean, on the ropes. We, I think we looked fragile at that point. Our confidence would have been hit badly. I'm not at all, not at all sure that we would have recovered had he got one or two of those opportunities. 
And then came that bam, 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 that three goals from from Suarez and the other two. And it was just, that was kind of good night. And I think, because Sevilla had been playing really well. Sevilla deserved to be in the lead at that point, frankly. And if it weren't for him, they would be. If they had a decent striker, they would be. Yeah, it was really, it, it wasn't their play. They were playing well, you know, good pressure, creating good chances. But the, uh, the, the shooting accuracy, the finishing wasn't there. It was just terrible. And then in the, the right at the beginning of the second half, he, he was one-on-one with Ter and He had all the time in the world and he hit the post. And I think at that point, I th- at that point, I genuinely felt sorry for him. Yeah. <laughs> but let's get into our goals. Because as, as you mentioned, Suarez is certainly not done. He had uh, one of the four goals in this game. Uh, and the first one in the 27th minute when Dembele puts in the cross and Suarez with yet another acrobatic volley punches it past Tomas Vaslik. Barca won Seville nothing. The man is just an acrobatic volleying machine. Like he is yeah. just all of his goals basically are volleys and they're fantastic. I mean, all of our goals are absolutely incredible tonight. They were really, <laughs> really good. Um, Suarez, yeah, it was it was a very highlight reel kind ab- of game. That's exactly what it was. Exactly. What, I think we'll only have four highlights to be honest as well because Barca didn't do much else. <laughs> um, but the the four goals are beautiful. Suarez is. I think it was Semedo rather than Dembele who put in that cross. But whoever, I mean, yeah, it's back to goal. It was as you said, acrobatic right in the corner as well. Gave the go the goalkeeper absolutely no chance. Yeah, and that is Suarez's specialty. Not necessarily the bicycle style, but volleys in general. Totally. He's such a volley specialist, and you can see like that's that's what still makes him so uh, lethal is his his shooting. Uh, it's not necessarily the rest of his game. And um, you know, I don't know if you listen to the rest of the show on a regular basis, but you know, Gabriel in particular, <laughs> Gabriel in particular has pointed out just how well we're starting to call him Lumpy. <laughs> because during the during the rest of the game, you know, he he's generally, you know, not putting in a ton of work. He's not coming back and back pressing. He's not putting in much defensive work, right, because of his position, his age and, you know, various things. But when you, you give him this opportunity, you don't want anyone else there in that moment but him. Right. He's kind of narrowing down his game to just becoming a pure goal scorer. And that's it. Yeah. And Cristiano Ronaldo did exactly the same thing in his last few years at Madrid. So he just went from stepovers and crosses and all that to just goals. I think Suarez is going down kind of a similar path. Yeah, um, and it seems like we have enough support for him at this point to let him do that. Yeah, I mean, Messi's still just being as messy as ever. Dembele's getting better slowly and surely. Uh, Griezmann, of course. So yeah, I think with the squad that Barca have, we can afford to let him become just a pure finisher. And then just a few minutes later, 32nd minute, Arthur took a scalpel and surgically placed a ball in front of Vidal running into the six-yard box, and Vidal touched it home to make it 2-0. I loved this goal. I thought it was fantastic. It came with about 25 passes from the team beforehand. Cruyff turns all over the place. Frankie de Jong did this amazing kind of um, pirouette thing away from two defenders. Semedo did a similar thing when he was out on the touchline, and like three-quarters of the ball had gone out. And he managed to kind of keep it in and spin away from two. It's just fantastic. Like working the ball back and forth across the field. And then, yeah, Arthur with that brilliant kind of that perfect. It looked like a shot almost like a shot with no power. And it was just perfect right into Vidal's path. And yeah, it was simple. Well, kind of simple finish for him. Yeah. But I I did have to watch it a few times before I could make up my mind as to whether he was 
trying to play Vidal in on it or if he was trying to shoot. Somewhat, so if it wasn't Arthur, you'd think, yeah, maybe that was a shot. But someone that we know is, is good as passing and who has such vision as him, we could. I think we could be sure he meant to do that. I can't help, but we, we bring this up maybe too much, but I just can't help but uh, continue to compare him to Chabi. It's yeah. his stature, but also the way he plays and possesses and his vision and his assists. They're very Chabi-like. They are very much. I think he and he was bought with that in mind. He was bought to be the new Javi and and it's really turning out. Yeah. And then just three minutes after that, in the 35th minute, Dembele gets a goal, sends Diego Carlos to ground when he checks the ball from his left foot to his right foot and then slots it into the goal that I think at that moment, that was my favorite goal at that point, just because it was just such a slick move. It was just so elegant, wasn't it? I think Dembele, when he's when he's on his top form, he's really elegant. Like it was just so fast and the way he kind of put the brakes on to send that defender sliding past him. It was just gorgeous. And then the ball right into the corner. Yeah, and I love elegance. Absolutely. I think that's why we're Barca fans. So we want elegance <laughs> in our football. Right. And then, of course, the fourth goal, Messi's first goal of the season. And I'm not sure, you know, I didn't have the stats in front of me, but it occurred to me. I feel like this is probably the latest in a season he has scored his first goal in quite a few years i would bet it is i would bet it is absolutely they had a they had a really nice stat on the uh, spanish tv commentary earlier messi was the 12th barcelona player to score this scene this season so 11 wow. guys got on the score sheet before him like junior furpo jordi alba right. gerard pk arthur they've all scored before messi like what's going on <laughs> well i mean there was the injury thing so there it, was you know, the injury thing there was the injury thing it makes so, sense he missed quite a few games at the early at the you know in the opening weeks we'll let him off but it's just a it's a very kind of curious eye-opening stat i thought i quite liked it and because he's normally the first second or at worst third uh first last and half of the ones in the middle like <laughs> <laughs> right absolutely so it was his first goal of the season but it was his third free kick attempt of the game the first two were not far off but he really dialed it in on this one. He did. It's like he was kind of setting his radar perfectly, adjusting it, and then third third time's lucky, bam. Although it was, yeah. it, I mean, it, obviously it was a great free kick. It well, wasn't his best. I think the goalkeeper could have done better, to be honest. Right. Well, I mean, he, he did put it over the wall, and the goalkeeper did get a hand to it. So, yeah, maybe, maybe Vasilik could have done... Yeah. just a hair better and to put it off so yeah yeah you're right it wasn't uh it wasn't in the top corner it wasn't upper 90 but it it, it went in and that's the important we'll take thing. it we don't mind yeah i'll gladly take it <laughs> so yeah i mean obviously when we're thinking about the the one of some of the best messy free kick goals the one from first leg against liverpool last year comes to mind yeah. Well, certainly the best one in the last few years. I think so. But, that was just amazing, wasn't it? But more importantly, just uh, last year, and I think even the year before, but mostly last year, it, Messi has really stepped up his uh, free kick taking, his free kick conversion rate. It's uh, I, At one point, I did the math, and it has gone up by a point or two in the last couple of years. Really? That's interesting, because it feels like he's been... Because there was a time when he first broke into the squad, he didn't do free kicks. But he just wasn't a free kick taker at all. And then it was almost like one day he decided, right, I'm going to be awesome at free kicks. And he was. But I didn't realize he he was getting even better. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, of course, there were those years where he was just overall scoring so many goals. Um, and so maybe he had scored more free kicks then. But I think it 
if you look at the overall sort of again, I'm I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe I believe that like last year is especially he his like, conversion rate definitely went up. No, that uh, sounds but, you know. that sounds plausible, definitely. And it makes sense also because as he's not as fast as he was in the past, he's looking for new and different and various ways to score goals. And like you said, he decided I'm going to be awesome at this and he worked on it and naturally he is. That's just what he does, isn't it? I feel like if if Messi decided, "Oh, you know what? I want to be an awesome center back like Puyol." He could do that. He might need to. He might need to have a few more of those hormone replacement therapies, right? But yeah, no. If he put his mind to it, absolutely, he could. Needs to get more, more jump. Yeah, or maybe that. Maybe just gets practice jumping a lot. He wouldn't even need to grow. Maybe yeah. Right. They they say actually, or it's talked about that he's kind of maybe towards the very end of his career he'll be a, a central midfielder, but like a pure Iniesta type central midfielder. Yeah, I could and see it. I mean, he, he could totally do anything. Work. He yeah. can do anything, as we know. Yeah. Of course, he can. We're four goals to the better. We have a clean sheet, thanks to Luke de Jong and Mark andre <laughs> Stegen. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Ronald Araujo has made his debut, coming on for Toribo in the 73rd minute. And you're since you follow Barca B for us, you know more than a couple things about Araujo. Right, so uh, he's Uruguayan. That's mm. me- and I think that's, that's important because he's, he's a very Uruguayan-type central defender. So he's big and he's ugly. And he gets in the way, and he kicks people. And... I think he's perfectly handsome. What? Okay, he is ugly. He's a very handsome man, absolutely. I, t- <laughs> I take back my ugly comment. What I mean is his style of play is not kind of smooth and graceful like an Umtiti or like uh, like other central defenders out there. He's very kind of rugged. Maybe that's a better right. word. I see. Right. Apologies, Ronald. Yes. And how old is he? He is 20, going on 21, I think. He's young. Okay. I think he's 20. So a lot of youth representation in central defense in this game, because Todibo is about the same. Absolutely. And there's going to be a lot of youth representation in central defense in the next game as well, because uh, PK's out, because he got his yep. fifth yellow card. Absolutely did not mean to get that yellow card. No way. So, <laughs> no. That, he, so that he wouldn't be suspended for the classical. Right. Absolutely. Uh, PK's out, fifth yellow card. Longley will be back, but Umtiti's out. Araujo is obviously out. Todi- yep. Tobido mm, might be out, might not, don't know. To see how this injury is, so yeah, I, got some thinking I, about I would predict, I would predict that Todibo's injury was not that severe. And he'll probably be okay, I think. Yeah, yeah, and he'll probably play against Ibar, but who knows? Maybe Araujo was because. Well, here's the weird thing: Araujo played um, a very small number of minutes because then he was ejected. So he he had his debut and his first sending off for the first team. All in the space of 12 minutes. Bless him. Yeah, he's only on for about 10 or 12 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Poor kid. Not not a night for, to remember for him. Though he will remember it for the rest of his life. Right. Poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Poor Ronald. <laughs> well, and also, like, what did you think about the, the, the call? Well, I think by the letter of the law, I think it was probably right. He was... So I think we should... So what happened was, um, Sevilla played a ball right down the middle. PK... PK messed up horribly, to be honest. He slid across to try and intercept, and it went through his legs. Uh, and that had the severe attacker. I think it was Munir, maybe? It was Chicharito. Was, it was Chicharito. Chicharito was running one-on-one. Araujo was behind him. And he kind of... He pulled him a little bit, and he shoved him a little bit, and Chicharito fell over. It was very soft. 
It was very soft, but equally, it wasn't an outrageous decision. I don't think. Yeah, it was. It was uh, Mateo Laos's decision, and he he made his decision. He could have gone either way, but he he chose to go the way he he did. He did, yeah. I think um, Mateo Laos, being Mateo Laos, he went for the decision that gets more headlines. Mm-hmm. And two red cards in a minute is what gets him more headlines. Is that uh, the general consensus about Laos in Spain? It seems to be here yeah, that he is very kind of aware of his his public profile and wants it to be as high as possible at all times. And in the resulting, you know, protestations, Sergio Busquets gets a yellow, um, which I believe was also his fifth. Yeah. Surprise, surprise there. <laughs> and Dembele also gets sent off as well. Yeah. That seemed r- quite needless. That was that was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm not, so they they replayed the incident or they replayed the the showing of the card and it was a straight red so dembele must have said something pretty bad to mateo yeah. it'll be interesting when we see when we see the referee's reports after the game they because they Maybe. put in those the actual words that the that the people say the players say oh okay so it'll be interesting to see what he said must have been something Maybe it was just naughty. a translation, you know, lost in translation kind of th- situation where Dembélé didn't, th- you know, maybe he said something in Spanish that he didn't think was that bad because he's French. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe he was saying something really nice in French and it just happened to sound like an insult in Spanish. Who knows? <laughs> somehow I can't see Dembélé's Spanish being very good. Maybe that's maybe that's harsh of me, but... No. Well, who knows? I mean, he definitely has enough French support on the, on the squad that he could Absolutely. maybe get away with not studying his spanish too much (laughs) then again he's been injured for so much he's had plenty of time to do his homework that's true that's true sitting there at home while everyone else is playing he really should be uh, in his spanish lessons yeah but instead he he should at least be playing spanish Fortnite. (laughs) absolutely yeah bare minimum right absolutely was there anything else that you wanted to touch on about this match so um rakitic came on for the first first time in a while Came on in the 75th minute or something. And he got a big big ovation from the Camp Nou, which I thought was interesting. The Camp Nou likes him. The Camp Nou likes him, which is good. I like him. I suspect, I don't know, Twitter doesn't like him. Barca Twitter (laughs) hates him. Twitter doesn't like anybody. No, Twitter's not a nice place. And I think Barca Twitter... It's a hateful place. It is, it is. Uh, But I I think even Rakitic just had a bad break because the media gets on his back a little bit as well. And so it was nice for him to come out, feel some love. And he played really well, like back heels all over the place and left footed chips from 20 yards out and all sorts. So I feel like he yeah, could I mean, still he... be an important player this season. No, absolutely. Do you think that because uh, one thing that we've been talking about so far this year is how little he's played compared with compared with how much he played last year? He played, all, I believe, more minutes than or just he was in the top. He was the one of the top minute getters last season. And now with De Jong. And with more time being given to Arthur, uh, Rakitic is now being sort of left out. What do you think? Is that the way to go? Is this? I mean, it, it does make sense. They, I mean, they wanted to get rid of him in the summer, so it would right. be weird to go from trying desperately trying to sell him to playing him every game. Uh, and with De Jong coming in, De Jong has just really taken his spot. So, in a sense, I'm, I said before, Barca have so many central midfielders. Ricky Pooch, yes. nowhere near the team. Carlos Alenia, no. nowhere near the team. And this is just because no. of the abundance of central midfielders that Barca have. And, and, so... there, but, and yet there are so many opportunities for for all of these midfielders if Valverde would only make them. That's true. Barca play enough games that if you wanted to play, if you wanted to play Alenia, put him in the damn squad, then he could. I Maybe he'll play against Ibar. I mean, we'll be... 
Maybe, Maybe we'll someone's got Alenia to. Everyone's as a center back against Ivar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, someone's going to have to play there. Why not, Carlos? Right. <laughs> we're we're down. We're we're, we're desperate we're just, at this point. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, just like this match, you know, we ended nine against eleven. We can't start that way in the next match. So no, hopefully not. No. And what other uh, what other little details did you want to pick out? Now let's get. I think we should give Semedo some love. Okay. So Semedo. I, w- I was skeptical about Semedo at left back because he's not his left foot is kind of non-existent. Um, but he was really good. He set up the set up the first goal. He defended well. Ocampos, Sevilla's right winger, is really good. As is Jesus yeah. Navas on that side. And I think, but Sevilla expected Barca to be weak on the left hand side because they didn't expect much defending from Dembele. Semedo out of position, and so certainly in the first half, a lot of passes were being played out to Navas and to Ocampos on the right hand side. And Semedo dealt with it really, really well. So I think Semedo. Yeah, he seems to be getting much better at the left back position. Right, which is an interesting development, interesting and welcome development, especially with Junior. Junior is kind of easing himself in at the moment, so we're not sure. He can't one hundred percent be trusted quite yet. Right, so it's good to have another option out there. Yes, well, I mean, he is um, still injured, I believe. Yes, that's right. Which necessitated Semedo, but. Since Semedo has been playing and Firpo hasn't because of the injury, uh, well, I think he only missed one game at this point. But still, this is a this is that solution. It's uh, it's well, it's it's not the best solution, of course. But when it makes sense when both of your left backs are injured, it did not make sense to me when only one of Valverde's left backs was injured that he still would move Semedo. Sometimes Sergio Roberto in the early days, but now Semedo is sort of his go-to um, fill-in. It's not ideal to have Semedo out there. It's certainly better to have to have a natural left footer out there. I remember yeah. last season when it was just Jordi Alba and nobody else. Right. The left back role was just Jordi's and poor guy couldn't play every minute of every game. And so Semedo did have to spend a bit of time out there. Yeah. Hopefully it won't happen as much this year. But if he needs to, we know that we don't need to worry, which is good. Yeah. But now we're going to we're taking a break along with along with the leagues for uh, international break. So. That'll be a nice... Uh, we're going to do a, actually a little bit of retooling here at the podcast. Uh, and yeah, come up with a little bit of a scheduling shakeup. And uh, we're going to experiment with some some changes when we come back. But Max, thank you for sitting in for Gabriel. I think you've done... You've comported yourself admirably. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe we should do this more. We'll see what kind of... Uh, Absolutely. You know, yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. Can you imagine a three-way podcast? I can, and it is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I think I think it could be great. It so. could be great, but it would put a lot of pressure on Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you make decisions. All right, thanks, everyone. Thanks to Max Bluer this week. Barca Talk is a production of Sound It Media, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and post-production by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Become a patron for a better listening experience and subscribe to the newsletter at barsatalk.net. Until next time, Vizca Barca. Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.